In the last days, there will be people who don't take things seriously anymore. Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Now, here's our lead pastor, J.D. Swilly. You can be seated. Also, want to give a big shout out to Pastor Russell. Are you in here? There you are. It's uh, Pastor Russell and Miss Janice's 40th anniversary today. Thank God for strong families, amen, and great examples like the two of them who uh, have loved their children or have raised their children to love and serve Jesus and have been a great example of a strong Christian marriage to those of us who are a few years behind you. So congratulations, happy 40th anniversary. Thank you for being a great example to us, amen. Last week... um, I gave you this message on Mother's Day about the power of a praying parent. And I had a whole section, a whole other second part to that that I was planning on preaching today. But as we were going into team night this last Wednesday night, uh, normally I come and bring a, like a leadership te- uh, teaching or a message to the team. But I, and I had these notes prepared. But as we were going into that day, I just felt like unexcited about the notes that I had prepared. And I just wanted to kind of speak from my heart about some troubling things that have been seen in the body of Christ. But also, I wanted to encourage the team that um, by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us, we don't just have to settle for what's going on. We don't have to settle for the mess. Amen. And so as I was sharing those, those thoughts and I was uh, expressing my heart, uh, a few people, including my wife, who I pay attention to as much as I can, right, um, <laughs> came to me and said, you know, that was really good. Are you, are you going to speak about that on Sunday? I said, well, I hadn't planned on doing that. And so I just kind of discerned that maybe I should. Maybe I should share some of this stuff on my heart. And so I put a few more notes together, but this is really just mostly from my heart. We'll, we'll get back kind of to the power of the praying parent maybe next week, but I just want to share with you uh, about finishing well. You know, if we look around the body of Christ right now, and we look at church leaders around the body of Christ, and I don't just mean in, the, in Seeds Church. I mean, I feel like right now we're in a really healthy season, praise God, thank God. Not to say that everything's perfect, but um, I feel like we're, we're on track but it, we're not immune. Just because we're on track doesn't mean that we're immune to attack. And I look at some of the things that are happening in the global church, the church here in America, uh, and there's a lot of craziness going on. And there's a lot of people, whether they're church leaders or just uh, people in the church, members of the body of Christ, that are either fading or they're failing. And I don't want to settle for fading or failing I don't want to fade. I don't want to fail. I want to finish. Amen? I want to finish the race that's set before us. And, and, and just I just started making a list of different churches and church leaders and then people in the body of Christ that I knew. And I just came up with an exhaustive list. I'm thinking of like, I'm not going to name any names, but there's, there's things going on in the body of Christ in different churches that are not like in our real um, they're not in our circle, but they're, it's big news because they have a lot of influence. 
and you see some of this stuff and you go, how in the world did it get to this point? And, and I, I don't even, I mean, we could sit here and we could say the specific things in gossip, but, but Paul instructs us to not even do that. The apostle Paul says, there's some things going on you shouldn't even really be going on and gossiping about and talking about. So I want to address some of this stuff, but I'm going to leave you, leave it for you to fill in the blanks because it's in the news. But I'm not going to mention these things specifically or mention people specifically. But I started thinking about people, not just in the headlines in the news that I've heard of, but I started thinking about people that I know personally, church leaders that I know personally in the United States, some of them here in Middle Tennessee. And I'm thinking about how some of these people that are fading or they're failing and it's breaking my heart. Some people that are deconstructing their faith, which we talked a bit, uh, talked about a little bit last year about deconstruction. I mean, just here in Middle Tennessee, I can think of one, two, three, four churches that we're either connected with personally or loosely connected with that have church leaders that are either fading or failing. And the enemy is having his heyday and he's attacking these churches and he's taking away their influence and he's trying to do everything he can to minimize the grace of God and minimize the advancement of the gospel. And I say, we don't have to settle for it in Jesus' name. And we don't have to let it come in and that kind of stuff creep into here. But we cannot fade, we cannot fail, but we will finish in the name of Jesus. You know, uh, just last year, Barna Group released some numbers from a poll that they did, and they said that 38% of pastors in the United States had thought about quitting full-time ministry in the past year. Nearly 40%, nearly four out of 10 pastors in the United States had thought about throwing in the towel. And that's for a variety of reasons. That's, I look at that man, people are struggling with fading. And another, another statistic from Barner Group said that only 10% of Christians in their 20s have what they would call resilient faith. And here's how they describe those who have resilient faith. Resilient disciples are Christians who attend church at least once a month, which I think at least once a month, come on now, you can do better than that. Attend church at least once a month and engage with their church more than just attending worship services, which means they're probably part of a life group or something like that. Number two, resilient disciples trust firmly in the authority of the Bible. Praise God, yes. Resilient disciples are committed to Jesus personally and affirm that he was crucified and raised from the dead to conquer sin and death. And resilient disciples are those who express the desire to transform themselves, but also the broader society as a result of their faith. And so Barna is saying only 10% of Christians in their 20s actually fall in the description of being a resilient disciple. That's startling. 64%, nearly almost two-thirds of U.S. adult Christians who grew up in church who were involved in church as a child, who were involved in church as a, as a teenager, 64% uh, have withdrawn from the church. 
Some of them have either just deconstructed their faith altogether. Some of them say, well, I still love Jesus, but I'm out on the church. And either wherever you fall into either one of those categories, it's not okay. And I'm, I'm like, I don't, I, we don't have to settle for this. We don't have to settle for this trend. I don't want that kind of stuff to creep into my heart. I don't want it to creep into your heart. I don't want it to creep into this church. I want to be a resilient disciple, amen? Last year, in October of last year, we kind of talked a lot about this stuff, and I, and I talked about deconstruction of faith, and we were talking about how in these days that the, that the apostles and Jesus told us that this would come. And I want to read to you that, that uh, passage of Scripture that we looked at in October of last year and from the book of Jude. And, and let's do this. Let's stand together, and let's read this passage together. We're going to read verses 17 through 21. We're going to do it out loud together. And today, we're going to read it from the message paraphrase. Uh, I, I double-check. Whenever I use uh, a translation, or I shouldn't say a translation, but, or a paraphrase, of, of the scripture, I always go back to make sure that all of the content there doesn't, uh, that it matches up with the actual translation, okay? So in this case, uh, this passage in the message does that, and it says, some, says it very well, so that's why I chose that today. Let, let's read together. But remember, dear friends, that the apostles of our master, Jesus Christ, told us this would happen. In the last days, there will be people who don't take things seriously anymore. They'll treat them like a joke and make a religion of their own whims and lusts. These are the ones who split churches, thinking only of themselves. There's nothing to them, no sign of the Spirit. But you, dear friends, carefully build yourselves up in this most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit staying right at the center of God's love, keeping your arms open and outstretched, ready for the mercy of our master, Jesus Christ. This is the unending life, the real life. This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated. I want to tell you today, just like Jude told us, we can be a finisher. We don't have to be one who's a fader. We don't have to be one that's a failure. And if you are sitting here today and you are struggling with some things, I'm not here to throw condemnation onto you. I'm here to encourage you. I'm here to say, don't settle for the path that you feel like you're going down in your heart. Put the brakes on and turn around and come back to the Father. If you're here today and you know people in your life that this description fits, I want to tell you, encourage them. Don't give up on them. Don't throw the towel in on them. They need you. Like I just was giving honor to Pastor Russell and Janice for being a wonderful example to those of us for having a strong Christian marriage and raising their kids to love and serve Jesus. Your friends that are in crisis right now, they need you to be an example. They need you to finish well because they need that example and not just everything that they see in the news, not just everything that they see at work, not just everything that they see in the media. They need you to finish well. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. I'm just going to read some scripture here, and I hope that it builds your faith. 
uh, Paul says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap uh, corruption, reap from the flesh corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap from the Spirit eternal life. And let us not grow weary in doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. Finish well. 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finish well. Acts 20, 24, but I do not count my life of any value, nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course in the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Finish well. 1 Corinthians 9, 24, do you not know that in a race that all runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you might obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable one. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating in the air. But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. What is Paul saying? He's saying, I want to finish well. Philippians 3.14, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That has nothing to do with the NBA finals right now. It has nothing to do with the NHL playoffs right now. It has to do with running this race that we are in, in the race of life, and that we're going to, say it with me, Finish well. Second John chapter 1, verse 8. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we've worked for, but may win a full reward. Say it with me. Finish well. Proverbs 28.1. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. When a land transgresses, it, may, it has many rulers. But with a man of understanding and knowledge, its stability will long continue. What's he talking about? He's talking about those of us who are going to, say it with me, finish well. I love that one right there. I, like, I love all these. But the wicked flee when no one pursues. But the righteous are as bold as a lion. When a land transgresses, it has many rulers. Man, if that's one thing that we're seeing right now, in the United States, we're seeing a land that transgresses. But you and I can be men and women of understanding and knowledge of the things of God. And we can bring long, continuing stability to a culture that's falling apart because we are the church. And what did Jesus say? He says that the gates of hell would not prevail against his church. Amen? Listen, be encouraged by this today. I don't want you to come in here and be all down and be like, oh my goodness, everything's falling apart. The church is a mess. Yes, but you know what? God's called us up. He's saying, don't settle for this. Be full of faith. Press in, continue, finish well. And so as these things have been on my heart over the last many weeks and, and some of the things that have been going on have been in my purview for, for almost a year now with people that I'm walking with personally. I'm going, God, help us. God, help us. God, help us. We were, uh, myself and Pastor Bob and Ru Pastor Russell and Tim, we were at this conference uh, about a week and a half ago, almost two weeks now, 
in Michigan, and it was our Radiant Network Conference. And it was just so encouraging to be part of a, a, a group of churches that are running well and a group of church leaders that are running well and are finishing well, praise God, and who are building praying churches for revival. It's good to be in that kind of company, praise God. And one of my friends, David Perkins, led a breakout session. And he expressed these same kind of things. He expressed there, there were some things that were situations that were close to him that have happened with friends and people that he knew personally. And David pastors a church in, in Kansas City. And, um, but he knows people all around the country. And he, he's heartbroken like I'm heartbroken. And, he, and he, start, he, he said, you know what? Again, we don't have to settle for this. You don't have to settle for fading. You don't have to settle for failing, but you can finish well. And he, said, and he basically provided about four or five different things that he saw in the life of somebody that's close to him that he's, he's walked with for about two and a half decades, a man by the name of Dick Eastman. Some of you may not know him, or many of you may not know him. He's not a Christian celebrity, but Dick is a 78-year-old guy who has run for many decades now an international missionary and prayer organization called Every Home for Christ, based out of Colorado Springs. And he, um, his ministry has touched millions, but nobody knows his name because he's not worried about making a name for himself. He's worried about making a name for Jesus. And David said, you know, I've been running and following Dick and been in relationship with him for about 25 years. And since 2008 or nine, David has been on the board of Every Home for Christ. And he says, I've not just got to see how Dick Eastman lives his life and finishes well from a distance. I've had an up-close and personal experience. And I can say, this guy's the real deal. We can learn some things. And I look at the scripture and I think about how Paul said, he said, follow me as I follow Christ. We need some good godly examples, amen? We need some people, some pillars in the body of Christ. You know, uh, a few years ago, right before we were getting ready to plant Seeds Church, a good friend of mine who many of you guys know, Joshua McLeod, he's come here to Seeds many times and he, he oversees um, Watermelon Ministries, which is an umbrella ministry for a lot of different other things. One of them is Instruments of Joy, which we've supported financially. And uh, super cool, side note, Instruments of Joy is partnered with Sidewalk Prophets, uh, the Christian music band, for a free concert at the Ryman on uh, July 4th. So that's pretty cool. And um, we may have some tickets to give away to that um, in a short period of time. But Joshua came to me and he says, J.D., you've done a great job in your life of collecting uh, people who are like kindling, who are great to start a fire. You know, if you're going to go out and, and you're going to start a fire in our fire pit out here on the backside of the property, you're going to walk around, you're going to find all the little dry twigs and little pieces that you can, maybe even leaves, and you're going to build a little kindling pile to light. And that's, that's going to light pretty fast, especially if it's dry. It's going to get things going. But the problem with kindling is that once you light it, it's not around for very long. It burns up pretty fast. It burns hot. It burns bright. It burns fast, but then it's gone. And Joshua said, you've done a good job of, of gathering some kindling 
in your life, but you need to, you need to go find some logs. People that burn a little slower, they burn hotter and they burn longer. God has called us to be logs, not just kindling. Zeal is good. Passion is wonderful. But I, what, like, like Dr. Peterson said, he wrote a book with the title of this, I want in my life a long obedience in the same direction. I want to finish well. And that's what God wants for you. That's what he wants for you. He wants that for your marriage. He wants that for your children. So these are some things that my friend David saw in the life of Dick Eastman, who is a log, who has been burning for a long time, burning hot for a long time. The first thing is this. This is a four or five, four or five habits or, or principles that he's seen in Dick Eastman's life. He says, daily, Choose intimacy with God. I would encourage you, take notes on this. Daily choose intimacy with God. He said, Dick Eastman doesn't go one single day in his his life without spending an hour in prayer and worship with Jesus. And some of you hear that and that sounds like, oh my gosh, that's impossible. I I don't know where I could cut out an hour in my day to do that. Well, I understand that for some of us, it seems a little bit more impossible than others, but uh, it, it's, it's really helpful when you shut off the TV, when you shut off the phone. And I'm not saying that in a condemning way, like, come on, church, get your act together. But I'm just saying there's, all, there's, there's things that we can do to say, what do I value the most? You can always tell what someone values because of their choices. Dick Eastman values time with Jesus. He values intimacy with God. And so it doesn't matter if he's in his prayer closet at home where David says that he has seen it and he's been there, that under his steps, you know how there's storage area under the steps in your house sometimes, there's like little Harry Potter door. You know what I'm talking about? That's what, that's what Dick Eastman has. He's a whole room, a little there, tucked away under his steps where he's got a prayer map up and he's got a list of people that he prays for every day. And he's got prayer journals and books and highlighters and pens. He's every day for an hour, he's there. And, he, and he's a, um travels the world and speaks and oversees this ministry. And some days he's not home. So whether he's in his prayer closet or if he's on an airplane, He's spending an hour a day, every single day with Jesus. There'd be days where Dick Eastman would come home from a long trip and he would, he would hug his wife, Dee, but he would say, babe, I love you, but I gotta go get my time in with Jesus. And you can always tell what someone values by the choices that they make. And sometimes it's a sacrifice. And some, some, some of you might go, well, that's just legalism. That's just legalism. But Dick, he would look at you and kind of just in a happy sing-song kind of voice say, no, it's not legalism. It's love. It's love. Intimacy with Jesus in the place of prayer is not just a good defense. It's a good offense. It's not just a defensive strategy. So, oh, God, help me from sinning. No, it's an it's a offensive strategy. Let's propel the mission of the gospel. 
the values of a finisher, those who finish, the values say, of uh, the finisher says this, whatever it takes, I'm gonna finish. Whatever the sacrifice is, if that means I have to sacrifice an hour of sleep today, I'm gonna finish. If that means I'm gonna have to sacrifice because of, I know some things that God's called me to that financially that he's gonna, called me to, 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 to finance some parts of the ministry, I'm gonna do that. Dick um, has this Bible that he reads from every single day. And he's, I don't know how long he's had it, but he's worn the thing out. And he went into a, a bookshop in Colorado Springs. He says, hey, I need to get this, this Bible rebound. I need a new leather binding on it, and pages are falling apart. I need, the, need to be re-glued and all that. And I said, sure, no problem. We can do that for you. Absolutely. He says, well, how long is that going to take? And they said, about three weeks. He says, oh, no, I can't, I can't go three weeks without my Bible. I spend time with Jesus here every day. And so he's actually ministering to the, the book-binding lady, <laughs> using it as, as an evangelistic opportunity. I love it. He says, no, I need this tomorrow. Oh, well, sir, we don't do that. that we, you're just going to have to, like everybody else, you're going to have to just kind of get in the queue and wait your turn, and it'll be about three weeks. We'll have it to you in three weeks. Oh, no, 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 I can't do that. I've got to have... My Bible by tomorrow. Well, sir, I, like I told you, and you can, you, she's getting annoyed by this time. You, you, you can't have it by tomorrow. No, 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 ma'am, you don't understand. I've got to have it tomorrow, and I'm willing to pay whatever the price. And Dick Eastman had his rebound Bible the next day. I don't know what it cost him. I don't know what the price was that he paid to have his Bible with all of his notes in it that he needed for his quiet time with Jesus the next day. But the point is, is to see where are his values? Where, where does he place high value? I know a lot of other 78-year-olds right now that all they're worried about is the next big trip that they're gonna take. But Dick is thinking about the money that he's gonna spend on his time with Jesus. You know, if you look through all out the New Testament, we see Jesus modeling this over and over and over again where it says that he got alone with the Father. He got alone with the Father. He got alone with the Father. We need a culture where our heroes are not celebrities or even celebrity pastors. We need a culture where our heroes are missionaries and martyrs and mothers and fathers. Where do you build that kind of endurance? Intimacy with Jesus. The second thing we see in the life of Dick Eastman that he helps him finish well is that Dick knows that his family is his first ministry. It's his first priority. He chooses his marriage over ministry. And you gotta remember, he has led a global missionary and prayer movement for decades and decades and decades. There's a high demand on his time. There's a high demand on his energy. But he knows that he needs to minister to his family first 
and make sure that his marriage is more important than his full-time ministry thing. And I hope that you're able to translate this because I know that most of us sitting in here today, we don't have a full-time, you know, five-fold ministry paid job thing. That doesn't make any difference. 